Hello, and welcome to For the Journey, a podcast offering formation and inspiration to Christians longing for more of God in their lives and in the world. For the Journey is presented by Coracle, a ministry committed to inspiring and enabling people to be the presence of God in the brokenness of the world through spiritual formation for kingdom action. We want to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God so that you can go further into the world with God's loving, healing, redeeming power. For the Journey is a space where each week we hope to help you encounter God and live a more integrated life of faith in the world by offering a regular rhythm of reflections, guided spiritual practices, thoughtful conversations, and more. This week, we share a sermon delivered by Bill Haley back in 2018. He unpacks three deep truths about God that we ought to carry around with us like stones in our pockets so that we can stay grounded when life inevitably goes sideways. Here's Bill. Well, good morning, friends. As our church planters and priests have returned to us these past weeks, we basically said to them, Bring us a word of encouragement, anything that God puts on your heart. And so, as I prayed about that, um, I want to offer you three stones for your pocket. Three truths that when you hold them together, will get you through anything that life throws at you. And life throws a lot at us. Now, thanks be to God... That li- it's so true that life is full of many blessings and good seasons and great joys. Amen? Right? Family, good friends, wonderful experiences, meaningful work, great accomplishments, great food, beautiful places to live, beauty itself, great joy. Much of life is no doubt marked by a bounty of good things even if we are unaware of them some of the time, much of the time. And summer is such a good time to breathe a little bit more slowly and to reflect on the good things that God has given us and the gifts that we enjoy. But it's also true that life has its seasons and experiences that are not so good and, in fact, can be so very painful and and confusing and fearful and disorienting This is just part of the human experience as we make our journey through a fallen world with fallen bodies amongst other fallen people. Just in our church alone right now, I am aware of those of you who are struggling with real and frightening health challenges for yourself or or for someone you love dearly. Some of you are struggling with profound marital hardships and and have doubts about how much that can change or how you will continue. For some, here there are questions and concerns, deep concerns about your children's development and about their or about their health. Some here are looking for a new job but have been unable to make much headway. Others are stuck in a job that feels like it's sucking the life out of you. Some of you have really wanted a job but you didn't get it. And so you're struggling with disappointment. Some of you, as we heard this morning, have lost spouses. Some of you are struggling with not having a spouse. Many of you are deeply concerned about the state of the culture 
and concerned about America. And many of us are deeply concerned about the state of the church. Some of you have dreams for your life, and it just doesn't seem to be working out. And some of you are on the other side of broken dreams, trying to figure out, still trying to figure out what it means. And as fall rapidly approaches, many of us wonder, how am I going to get all that done? Hmm? And if you're a student, you might be worrying about how is all that studying going to get done? And some of you aren't facing any of those things right now. And if you're not facing any of those things right now, I can guarantee you that at some point you'll hit at least one of these. (laughs) It's not even an exhaustive list. Life throws at us hard seasons and hard times. No one is immune. So I... I want to offer you something. I already told you what it is. Um, We have our children with us this morning, and it's such a gift. And so, again, I'm tempted to do a sort of Mr. Rogers uh, interpretation. Okay, kids, I have something. What is it? But I've already told you. Does anybody know it was in my pocket, now it's in my hand? Can anybody tell me what's in my hand? Yes, a rock. And how many rocks? Three, exactly. I I have three stones that I've been holding in my pocket. And these are, these are three truths that when we hold them together, they will get us through anything. And they're all truths about God, and they all come from Scripture. Now, if we could this morning, I'd pass out three stones to each of you, and I'd give each of you a black Sharpie marker. And I'd have you, and I'd have you write down these three phrases on it. But as it is, I'll just show you. These three stones help us to say, I may not know fill in the blank, but this I do know. And so sometime this afternoon or this week, you might want to find three rocks and a marker and do write these truths on them. You'll be glad you did. So the first truth is, right, there it is. God is good. God is good. Psalm 106 says, praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord because he is good. Psalm 136 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And that psalm goes on for 26 more verses, saying 26 times, God's steadfast love endures forever. God loves us, and he is good. Psalm 34, 8 invites us all, O taste and see, see what? That the Lord is good. good. O taste and see that the Lord is good. In Mark 10, Jesus himself calls God the Father good. And in John 10, he calls himself what kind of shepherd? the good shepherd. In Exodus 33, when Moses is up on the mountain with God and he says, God, I want to see who you are. I want to see who you are. God replies, I will make all my what pass before you? All of my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim to you my name, the Lord. Goodness is who God is. And this word good is a solid word. It's a simple word. From the dictionary, Uh, Good means someone who is kind, who is beneficent or friendly. And what this means is that God won't hurt us. That God will help us. That God wants to help us. It means that his orientation towards us is one of favor and blessing. That God is good means that God has our best in mind. Without ulterior motive. And that he will act for it. Oh, 
There's a reason. There's a reason that one of the most beloved refrains in the African-American church is, God is good? And all the time, there's a reason why that's so deeply embedded in the African-American church, which is saying something. And sometimes our circumstances make us doubt the goodness of God. And that's why this story from the most awful circumstances is so powerful from a concentration camp near the end of World War II. A few days before her death there in that camp, Betsy Ten Boom from Holland told her sister Corey, Corey, you must survive and tell the world that God's love is deeper than this evil. She went on, there is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. And Corey did miraculously survive, released 12 days later because of a, a clerical error. And she spent her next 35 years telling the world exactly that message. So, stone in your pocket number one, the first truth, God is good. I'm putting it in my pocket. Second stone in your pocket, the second truth is this, that God is present. God is present. We heard already from Psalm 139 that there's no place so far that we can travel that God's spirit isn't right there with us. That God's hand will lead us and uphold us. That even when we feel like all is dark, that God can see right through it and is right there with us. Those were verses 7 through 12. What we didn't hear was verses 2 through 6. Oh Lord, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in, behind me, before me. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I cannot attain to it. This psalm written by a man well acquainted with fearful circumstances, tells us that God knows us intimately, that he knows what we're thinking, that he knows what we're going to say, he knows what's coming down our path. God knows where we are, and he is present where we are. And I have felt this all the way around the world, and I have felt this in my darkest moments. And David, the writer, says, I know this is true, but it is beyond my brain to be able to comprehend it. That God is present with me all the time. It's too wonderful for me. And it's true. Jesus is famous in Matthew 28 for telling his disciples then and his disciples now, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And then what does he say? And behold... And yes, that's right. He says, behold, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When is Jesus with us? Excellent. For how long? Till the end of the age. How? How? Jesus is uniquely present to us in the Eucharist this morning. He's uniquely present to us in the church, and he is powerfully present to us in the Holy Spirit. His Spirit with us. As he said in John 14, I will ask the Father, 
He will give you another helper to be with you forever. How long? Forever. Even the spirit of truth. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. John Stott put it simply and powerfully that the Holy Spirit internalizes and universalizes the presence of Jesus. In other words, because of the Holy Spirit, Jesus lives inside of his followers, which means he's always present with us because he lives inside of us. And because of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is everywhere, which means that we can never be absent from him. He's always present And every metaphor breaks down, but imagine a fish in water. Hmm? Or imagine us surrounded by air. Imagine electricity. These metaphors aren't perfect, but they help us get our mind wrapped around the fact, how can Jesus be with us everywhere? Because he is. And this is really good news. Especially if your circumstances find you in a brutal and nasty jail cell in the jungles of Burma at the beginning of an 18-year-old, 18-year-long prison sentence. This was the situation of James Maudsley that he found himself in in 1999 as a 26-year-old man who had been arrested in Myanmar for passing out pro-democracy literature in their major public square. Not once, but twice, and then three times. And so... The government was tired of this, and so they sentenced him to 18 years in solitary confinement, and they placed him for months in solitary confinement under extremely harsh conditions and obviously alone, except not alone. Despairing and despondent and aware of his own weakness and his frailty and of his own lack of faith and aware of his futility of what he was doing, Finally, after months, after months of asking for a Bible, somehow he was given a Bible, and he devoured it. And everything changed. God revealed his presence to to James. I'll I'll read from his account, The Iron Road. It did not matter that I was in prison. I felt God's love, overwhelming, terrifying, everlasting love, bubbling up within me and overflowing. What glorious joy. I submitted to his will and to forget myself and to seek with all my heart and soul to serve his will. This is what it meant to be free. The concrete floor became pastor's green and the painful pallet that was my bed became restful waters. I was in wonder, rapture. I was only aware of love. There was literally nothing else in my mind period, beauty, period. If God is present in a jail cell, in solitary confinement, in a jungle on the other side of the world, God is present with us too. No matter what we're facing or how far away he feels, brothers and sisters, I've come to believe that God is most present to us when he feels most absent. So, Stone number two, present. That one's going in my pocket. And the third stone, the third truth, that God is in control. God is in control. We heard read in Luke 8 that the disciples were in trouble. And Jesus called them 
told him to get in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. They start across the lake, the sea. He falls asleep, and then a violent storm kicks up, and they're, as they're prone to do on that water, and the winds are howling, and the waves are crashing. The boat is filling with water, and the text tells us that they were in real danger. And Jesus is sleeping. And the disciples are afraid. And they wake him up. Master, we're perishing. In Mark's account of this, this is what they say. They wake him up and they say, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Do you not care that we're perishing? And this is a question that all of us have for for God at some point. We're going through hell one way or the other, and nothing is happening. And we're praying, we're scared, but things aren't changing. And our question after many prayers becomes, God, are you listening? Can you hear me? Why don't you do something? Or, in the disciples' words, do you not care? The disciples had no idea that in the midst of that storm, they were in the safest spot on the planet at that very moment. Jesus was sleeping because he knew that they were safe. Because he knew what he could do. He could control the wind and the waves. And so he wakes up and he says, peace, be still. And the waves drop and the wind stops and the sea calms and And he turns to his disciples, where's your faith? Do you not know who you're with? Do you not know who I am? Now, verse 2 later in verse 25, they're afraid again after all this. This time, they're not afraid of, of the water. They're afraid of the man. Who is this guy? They said to one another, who then is this that he commands even winds and water? And they obey him. Well, as observant Jews, well familiar with the Psalms, they would have figured it out. And the gospel writers want us to figure it out too. That Jesus is God and God is in control. The Old Testament is crystal clear about who it is that controls the wind and the water and the waves and all things. Psalm 107 speaks of sailors on stormy seas and afraid. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble And he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the seas were hushed. And then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. God does this in the Psalms. He's in control. Jesus does this in the Sea of Galilee. He's in control. Psalm 93, verse 4. Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. And there are many other allusions like this to God having power over the wind and the waves in the Old Testament. And the disciples would eventually get it. But not yet. And how true this is of us. Eventually, we'll get it. Even if we live in the I don't get it all yet. It takes us a long time to learn that God is in control actually. Another word for this is that God is sovereign, actually. He's in charge. So God is in charge of all things. He can control all things. And it begs the question, well then, why doesn't he step in more often 
and change things to the way that I think that they should be, or even that I'm sure he'd want them to be. And friends, this is a real and deep question, and this mystery is too much for this morning. But I am comforted by this. I am comforted by this, that if something is happening in my life, that God is allowing it. And if he allows it, then either there's some greater purpose for it, or he can and will redeem it. Nothing takes God by surprise, and nothing is beyond the power of God to change and to redeem whatever it is that we go through. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, we know that for those who love God, it's an important caveat right there, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And this is true. I'm comforted by the end of Joseph's story at uh, at the end of Genesis 50, verse 20, when he looks back over all the suffering that he had endured at the hands of his brothers, and he speaks redemption. He says, as for you, my brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. God is in control, even when it may seem like he's not. And I am confident, I am confident that when we are in heaven and we can see the whole picture, we will see what God was up to. So that's the third truth, and I'm putting it in my pocket. <clears throat> that God is in control. God is in control. God is present. God is good. <clears throat> and when we are in a challenging season in our life, these three truths, now I took the stones out of my pocket, now they're all in my hand again. These three truths work together, and we've got to call them to mind, and we've got to hold them together. <clears throat> Excuse me. We've got to keep them in the same pocket. Three truths at the same time. Because if God is good and present, but not in control, what does that mean? It means he can't help. Right? And this undermines our faith. If God is present, and he's in control, but he's not good, well, what does that mean? That means I can't trust him. That's a mean God. And this undermines my assurance And if God is good and in control, but he's not present, I don't have confidence that he'll help me because I don't know if he knows what I'm going through. And this undermines our hope. Rather, these three truths held together at the same time will get us through anything that life throws at us. That God is good, that God is present, and that God is in control. So, dear friends... My fellow pilgrims on this journey called life, my brothers and sisters for real, what's going on in your life right now? And how does it help to apply these truths to your circumstances right now? I would encourage you to really and prayerfully take these three truths and let them impact whatever it is that you're facing. And if things are going great for you right now, then I'd encourage you still to take these three truths, write them on three rocks, and put them in your pocket for when you need them. Because you will. Life can be hard, but God is good. Come on now. Life is hard, but God is good. And all the time. 
amen. Lord, we do thank you that we can rely on you, that you are trustworthy and faithful and true. Thank you. We love you. We pray these things in the name of the one who can calm the wind and the waves. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to For the Journey. We hope you'll join us again next week. And in the meantime, you can explore past episodes and see what we're up to at inthecoracle.org and on social media at inthecoracle. If you were blessed by what you just heard, please subscribe as we'll be releasing new episodes each week. Please also feel free to rate and review the show and share this episode around with others who might be blessed by it. For the Journey is made possible by the generous support of our Coracle partners, the wonderful men and women who choose to support this ministry through their prayers and financial gifts. If you're one of our partners and are listening, we are so grateful for you. If you would like to join us as a sustaining partner, you can set up a monthly donation of any amount at inthecoracle.org support. The link is in the show notes. Our growing community of partners gets access to tailor-made resources, gifts, and events, and we would love for you to be a part of that. Our theme song is Mystery Hymn from our friends at Lowland Hum. Please give them a listen wherever you get your music. And so, friends, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen, and we will see you on the journey. Let me speak.